on. Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, okay, do you hear the echo now? Let me think. Let me listen, rather. No. Okay. It's interesting because I there's there's an option in Zoom to get higher quality sound, which I had turned on, but it eliminates the echo cancellation, and I didn't think it would make much of a difference with my headsets, but apparently there's enough feedback in my headset, which is Go interesting. figure. Which is that interesting. is interesting. Okay. okay. Well, okay. lesson okay. learned. Okay. <laughs> Good. I'll All right. Let's do this. This is a nice, fun, interesting omelet. So the Gemara was in the middle of discussing right at the bottom of the Falcon Bay's last time, the idea that there's a, you need to do right after you do you have to do you have to nullify your possession of whatever you have. So the Gemara was trying to figure out how do we know this? How do we know this? Um, how do we know that you have to do, do, it, do it now? You know, you have to do it at that time. And the Gemara had suggested, okay, we can see that maybe you have to do it, but why not? Um, why not do it in the morning? Why not do it in the morning at the fourth or the fifth hour, the like? So the Gemara says, oh, no, that's not good because you may come to be distracted. You may come to be distracted and you'll forget to do it. So now the Gemara at the very top of that sign says, why don't we do bittel at the sixth hour? Why? So let's explain. So, so I'm sorry. Let me let me first explain the the Gemara's kasha. You might ask. Hold on a second. Why is the sixth hour any better than the fourth or the fifth hour? So Rashi explains that no, since the sixth hour is the time for biur chametz, it's the time for burning the chametz. Therefore, it's entirely expected. It's entirely, uh, I should say, rather understandable um, that it would be an effective time to have a rabbinic institution of a bittel as well. Right. And of course, we do do a second bittel at the time we burn the chametz. The Gemara is dealing with the original bittel now. Um, uh, and the Gemara is saying, hey, look, listen, you know, there's, there's, this is a time when everyone is gathered to do a mitzvah relating to preparing for Pesach. So it's just as good as any other time um, to, uh, uh, it's just as good as the night before, the time of Patika, to institute the recitation of the bittel. So says the Gemara, no, okay, when the Yisur, the Rabbani Lovei, since effectively during the sixth hour, there's already a rabbinic prohibition. There's a rabbinic prohibition to eat chametz. Really, you have until the end of the sixth hour. The, the Rabbana and the sages came along and instituted a prohibition during the sixth hour. So that prohibition is enough. It's enough to remove the, um, the, uh, the, um, the concern. It's enough to remove the concern. Uh, excuse me. It's enough, enough to remove your ability to do the bittel just like the Raisa level prohibition. Right? Once the Darabana level prohibition sits in, you already can't do a bittel. It's too late. Okay. The Amr of Gidl, Amr of Chibayasif, Amr of Gidl says, in the name of Chibayasif, in the name of Rav, Hamakadesh, Mishay Shoyasif, somebody does Kedushin, he betrothes a woman from uh, six hours into the day on Erev Pesach and onwards, even if he uses or a particular type of wheat that was very uh, hard, it didn't, uh, didn't leaven easily. 
Um, so even if you use chitik or denisa, which subsequently, or at the time, I should say rather, at the time became wet, right? we say it's not yours, that's, that has no monetary value. Excuse me, you can't do Kedushin. I'm sorry, uh, you can't do the, the Kedushin though, can, and that shows us that it's not yours anymore. In other words, the Torah has taken away your control over it. it says the Gemara, after the Isser is it impossible to be Vatanya, is that really the case? If somebody was sitting in the base Madrish and he remembers, oh no, right, he's sitting here, I have Pesach in the base Madrish, he remembers, oh no, I have Chametz in my house, right, or maybe on Pesach. I have Chametz in my house. Now, Echad Shabbos, Echad Yom. Sometimes Arab Pesach falls out on Shabbos. So we said this halacha applies both on Shabbos and on Yom. So in terms of Shabbos, Shabbos could be day 14, right? It could be Arab Pesach. So you need to, to remember, oh no, I forgot to do my bittel. So you can still do the bittel before the Yisr sets in. However, Yom Tiv, right? There's only one Yom Tiv that could possibly coincide with the prohibition of Chametz, and that's Pesach. So that's clearly Basari Surah. That's after the prohibition sets in. And we see that you can do a bittel. Amr of Achabar Yaakov says of Achabar Yaakov, no, no, that's not what's going on here. The Talmud Yoshev of Rabbi Askin, and what's going on is you have a situation of a Talmud, a student who's sitting in front of his rabbi, and he remembers that he has a dough, a freshly kneaded dough sitting in his house. Now, really, this was the plan. The dough was freshly kneaded, and he was going to bake matzahs, right? He was going to bake matzahs. But now the dough is sitting. It's been sitting for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Then he realizes, oh, dear, what am I going to do? I just sat down in the shir. I just sat down in the Rebbe's lesson, and my dough is going to become chavites. What should I do? Right? So he's not allowed. He can't get up and leave. He's sitting in front of the Rebbe. So what should he do? What should he do? His concerns can become chametz. Kadim uvatole mikamid tachmetz. He's allowed to um, he's allowed to uh, be mavatole right because it hasn't become chametz yet. So he can preemptively be mavatole the dough so that it does not so that when it becomes chametz it is no longer in his possession. But you cannot be mavatole something that's already chametz. Says the Gemara Dekadari. Excuse me. Bacon, I mean. How how does how does that work? Yes. I mean, we we I mean, when we fossil whatever we have, it's already chametz. Yes. You know? Yes. So, in other words, it, it, your question seems to be, if I understand correctly, is hold on, who ever heard of bittel on something that's not chametz? So, um, I wasn't. I, I haven't had a chance to look into you know what the achreinim uh, have to say about this subject, but my understanding is that bittel is not worse. Um, than any other kind of, the, or actually, my, my understanding, this is the what the Rishonim say, Bittal is very similar to Hefker. It works in a very similar fashion to Hefker. It just comes with certain coolness because according to some opinions, Hefker has to happen, has to happen in front of three people, etc. So, um, so, but Bittal does not. So uh, my, uh, my assumption was that given that the purpose of this Bittal is to eliminate an impending Chametz problem, uh, it is subject to the same leniencies as every other uh, Bittal. In other words, it's just functioning like Hefker. So I can I can be mafkir anything I want to be mafkir, you know. So uh, so too I can be mavatel anything I want to be mavatel. That that is my understanding. What's going on here? Um. Okay, so that's the solution to 
why one might be doing this on uh, on Yom Tov itself. Dekanami says the Gemara, this actually adds up. The Katani right? For some reason, we said he was sitting in the base Medrash. So that implies this time crunch that he's in the base Medrash and he can't leave, right? So under what circumstances would there be like an urgency? I can't leave. Who cares if you leave or not? If it's already Chametz, you're sitting on this, the first day of Pesach and you have finished Chametz in your house, right? Fully Chametz food in your house. What's the difference whether or not uh, you rush home or not? The Chametz is there. It makes no difference. So, uh, must be that there's some kind of time crunch that is forcing the the, the chametz issue has only cropped up because of the fact that you're in a time crunch um, and you're not able to leave in time. Okay, shmami no, good proof. Says spoiled. So ifsha means. It, it, I don't think moldy is a correct translation. If I saw people say spoiled, I'm, I'm not quite sure if it doesn't mean it's stale, but it's it's something that's it's not particularly pleasant. So Kevin Shirobsa Matzo Muteras. Very interesting uh, phrase. And Rashi explains what it means is once there is um, more matzah than chametz somewhere, right, in the particular box where you found it, um, then it's permitted. So what does that mean? So hey, Chidami, what are you talking about? If we know the bread is chametz, right? This is, by the way, one of the sources that the people who advocate the soft matzahs point to. They say it's clear that the um, the that in Talmudic times the matzah and the chametz looked so similar you couldn't necessarily tell them apart, which is uh, I think an excellent proof that it's it is a mistake to think that matzah was never soft. Matzah was obviously always uh, traditionally soft. Um, it's also a mistake to think that because it was traditionally soft, it's therefore okay to eat it soft, um, because Ashkenazi custom for uh, at least a millennium uh, is that we don't almost a millennium probably is that we don't eat soft matzah. <laughs> but but uh, there's no question that matzah was once soft. Anyway, so if you know the bread is chametz, you remember that you made it chametz thick, right? So kibrav samatza, my heavy. Who cares what, what whatever outside thing you're 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 extrapolating from? Oh, there's more matzah now. There, there used to not be matzah. There used to be less matzah. And now this this box is generally used for matzah. So who cares? <laughs> it's chametz, right? That's a silly thing to think. We don't know the status of this bread. My area ki rubsa matza, filikulay rubsa matza, nami, nasal buser, basra. Even if there isn't a, even if, uh, even if uh, you don't, we don't have a clear lock on whether this box is more often used for matza than for chametz, right? Can you imagine? Well, my mother would say, well, yeah, but we use the same box, the same bread box, sometimes for matza, sometimes for chametz. Um, right, e matza who? Uh, excuse me, we should go after whatever was stored in there last. Do we not learn the Mishnah? Very, very interesting halacha. If money is found in front, in the space in front of uh, um, animal, uh, a livestock merchant, we always assume it's meiser, right? So in other words, when you're in Yerushalayim, when you're in, uh, when you're in Yerushalayim, when you're on the temple, when you're when you're when you're in the, uh, when you when, sorry, when you're in Yerushalayim, um, the general assumption seems to be that all almost all animals that were being bought for consumption uh, were being bought as meiser shame. Why Rashi says that people used to kind of uh, pawn off their Meiser Shani money on the people of Yerushalayim, right? People would have leftover Meiser Shani money and they would give it over to the people of Yerushalayim because you couldn't use it outside Yerushalayim. So they gave it to them. Now says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, 
this money is presumptively miser. If you find, in other words, if you find money on the ground in the vicinity of these animal cells, you should assume that it's miser shani money. However, Baharabais, if you find it in on the uh, Harabais, on the Temple Mount itself, Chulin, it's presumptively Chulin. It's presumptively Chulin, right? Because, um, because right, even during the Yamtiv time. Um, um, yeah. So it says the Gemara like this. One second. Right. Anyway, because right, in other words, the uh, on the I, I should just clarify on the Harabayas, on the Temple Mount itself, there is um, there uh, no one's buying animals on the Temple Mount. So most money probably fell from people who are visiting the Harabais and is likely to be just regular money. Um, even during the uh, the yumptive season, when you might say, oh, but everyone's coming to bring their Meister Shani, right? Nonetheless, um, we assume that if you find money on the Harabais, it fell during the rest of the year, not necessarily on the yumptive days, because the yumptive days are the minority of the year. Now, however, um, the Yerushalayim, uh, in and around Yerushalayim, during the Yantav season, we actually assume that the money is Meiser Shane. Other days of the year, it is presumptively Chulin because most money is Chulin, most money is not Meiser um, uh, money. Why are the streets of Yerushalayim different from the Harabayas? Why do we care that it's Yantav? Who cares that it's yamtiv? Most of the year is not yamtiv. Why don't you assume that any money you find is not yam is not is not uh, meiser sheni money? Says the Gemara, the streets, the marketplaces of Yerushalayim are cleaned out. They're swept every day. Amazing, pretty uh, pretty high standard. They're cleaned out every day. Since they're cleaned out every day, someone would have found the money. So every day is considered a new assessment. So, so too, in reference to our uh, bread box, why don't we assume that uh, the bread box is emptied fairly frequently? And we should therefore assume that whatever the bread box was most recently stocked with, that's what this bread that we found inside it is. And if that's matzah, it's matzah. If that's chametz, it's chametz. Right? Alma, right? Alma, we see, I'm reading, kamoi, kamoi, azlib, we don't worry, hmm, maybe this came from six weeks ago. It's a bread box. A bread box is emptied relatively frequently. We ought to say that this is the uh, from the most recent batch of bread. And so let's say uh, it's the third day of Pesach. So it's safe to assume that this is from a, a day or two ago and it's matzah. So says the Gemara, you know what? You're right. But Shani Hacha, this case is different. Why This is a case of a piece of bread that's so spoiled. It's so no good. I don't know why you wouldn't just burn it, but I guess, you know, people uh, would eat whatever they could eat. So it's spo so spoiled. The um, Fusha Right? It's that, that, it's, that it seems like it's quite old. So since it's quite old, we really have no way, no definite way of knowing if it's Chametz or Matzah. So says the Gemara, if it's so obviously old and spoiled, Kirov Samatza, my heavy. Who cares about the fact that, oh, lately this box has been used strictly for Matzah? Like, who cares? 
who cares, right? You have a physical sign on this piece of bread that indicates that it's from a very long time ago. So whatever the statistics on this particular box um, are, uh, we still, they, they, they don't really give us any information about this clearly very old piece of bread, which precedes the creation of those statistics. Um, Rabbi says, Rabbi, you know what? It's not that we were saying that the, um, that the um, that the box itself is free, is more frequently used for matzah. Right, it is many days in to the days of matzah. Right, so it's possible. In other words, let's we're let's say a week into Pesach, we're already or six five six days into Pesach. So bread from the beginning of Pesach would already be pretty no good. It would already be pretty spoiled. So it's entirely possible this bread is from the beginning of Pesach. So it says the Gemari Yachib Shita, if that's the case, so then it's like a no-brainer. It's like a no-brainer. Well, I, I found a very old piece of bread, which could either be matzah or chametz. It looks like it's at least a week old. Well, we're a week into Pesach, and it's in this box, which, okay, either it is or it isn't most commonly used for matzah, but like, okay, why wouldn't we just assume it's matzah? Says the Gemara, the Pusha Meruba, it's really very, very spoiled. So you might say, oh, it's very, very spoiled. So presumably it's chametz. It's probably two or three weeks old. We can make an argument as to why it looks so spoiled. We can say, since there have been a few days of Pesach already, each day the balabasta baked new fresh bread, fresh matzah, right? And she threw it in the box. And the thing is that all that nice, hot, steamy bread piling on top of this piece created an atmosphere that caused it to become very uh, spoiled and stale and, 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 and disgusting looking. So therefore, it's actually from maybe the first day of Pesach. And why does it look so gross? It looks two or three weeks old because of all that, um, all that uh, matzah pressure on top of it. Okay. <laughs> Says the Kamara. Okay, fine. Now, once we've established all that, so in other words, what we've established basically is that our question was about a very unusual case. In the normal case, we would just say whatever the, uh, you know, if you found a, a, an unspoiled piece of bread, you would say, okay, whatever we were most recently using that box of bread for. Says the Gemara, do we just, can we just look at the last thing? Well, Tanya, did we not learn? If you had a box, and in that box you kept both chulin money and meiser money. If the majority of what you generally deal with is chulin, then it's chulin. If the majority, right, it's regular plain Jane money. And if the majority of the money you generally deal with is miser, then you should assume it's miser. We should simply just check the books and see what most recently were we keeping in this box. So Reynolds, who, why, why are we looking at the general, okay, throughout history, the majority of what we've used this, we should look at the most recent iteration. We should look at the last week, what were we keeping in this box? You're right. What would the case be here? You were you were not organized. You were keeping both chulin money and meiser money in the same box. Right? In other words, you sometimes use it for chulin, sometimes use it for meiser, and you have lost track of what you last used it for. You lost track of what you last used it for. Rav Zvid says, I have a different argument. Right, it could be that um, 
I had two bundles of money, right? I had a bundle of Meiser money and a bundle of Hulun money. And this coin fell out of one of them, and I don't know which bundle it's from, right? In other words, yesterday, there were two separate bundles. One was Hulun, one was Meiser. And it's not, they didn't get mixed up. One was in the right corner and one was in the left corner. But uh, this coin got lost, and we don't know where it fell from. You can't just say, oh, what was in there yesterday, because both were in there yesterday. Um, Papa Guma, and Rav Papa says uh, maybe the case could be where it was found like deep, deep in a corner, in a, in a crack somewhere. So it could have fallen out weeks and weeks ago and you totally missed it. So the fact that most recently you used it for Meiser or you used it for Chulin doesn't tell us anything because this coin has clearly been lost for weeks. Right, so these are just like a nice little review of Talmudic principles of uh, a priori assumptions, Chazakas, Sveikas, very, very good stuff to know. I think the bottom okay. line is the bottom line is don't do this at home. <laughs> exactly. Abu Rav Yehuda, don't use the same box for matzah and chametz. It just won't go over well. Abu Yehuda, when somebody checks his house for chametz, he's got to make a bracha. What kind of bracha should he make? A puppy, I'm a shmei A puppy says the name of Rava. The bracha you make is levayer chametz. Right, to burn chametz. Papa says Of course, the second sounds more familiar because that's what we say. Now says the Gemara like this: Everyone actually agrees that levayer is an effective nusach. You can use the word levayer. You can say levayer chametz. Why? Because it's an unambiguous phrase. It means to burn. No, I'm about to burn the chametz. Levayer chametz, okay? Right, or actually, in this case, you are removing the chametz from your home so that you can later burn. Now, turning the page, kipligi be'albiur. The only question is about the words albiur. Marsovar me'ikaromash. One opinion says albiur implies that you've done it already. On the burning of chametz applies that I am, I've already burned the chametz. So you can't say that because you haven't burned the chametz yet. You're just about to go find the chametz. The other piece is no, no, it's lahabab. It's going forward. Okay. Mace face has the Gemara. What bracha does a person make when he circumcises, when he, well, actually, when you circumcise someone else's son, right? What bracha does Rabbi Leibowitz make um, every couple times a week on, in busy seasons? On the Mila, right? Al So it sounds like Al Bir on the burning, Al Hamila on the circumcision. But of course, you do that before you do the um, you do the bris. So um, so you see that that's a perfectly appropriate way to express what I'm about to do. So says the Gemara, Hasam What do you want him to say? What do you want the Moil to say? You want him to say to do. Uh, to do the bris mila right here in front of us, right? Uh, are you suggesting that uh, that uh, this moil is the only person who can do the mila? No, he happens to just be the professional we brought in for that purpose, but we could hire anyone. He doesn't have a personal obligation to do this mila. Says the Gemara, what about a scenario where the avi haben? where the father of the child himself is the male, right? Then what are you going to tell me? The father of the, of the, the, father of the child himself is in fact obligated to, uh, to do a bris, right? He is in fact obligated to do a bris. 
says the Gemara, you're right. The Gemara thinks at this point, yeah, when a father, when the when the father himself does the bris, he should say lamul. He should not say alhamila, right? Because alhamila implies that he's done it already. Okay. Says the Gemara, Meisvei. Another question. Baruch Hashem, Kedushah Tzivavu, Vitzivonu Al Hashchita. When someone slaughters an animal, he makes a bracha Al Hashchita. That implies that he already did the Shchita, but it's not true. He's about to do the Shchita. Some Nami answers the Gemara. Heishi Neimah. What do you want him to say? Neimah. Lishchoyt. Loi Savi the Sagid Lavi Yushachet. What are you talking about? I have to do the Shchita. Someone else could also do the Shchita. It's not my personal obligation to do this to slaughter this animal. The Gemara counters once again. Hold on. Pesach and Kachim Ha'ikil Meimar. How about a carbon Pesach? Or how about Kachim? Right? Kachim are a personal, all, all these carbonists are a personal obligation on the um, on the person who's offering the carbon, on the on the individual, right? An individual's carbon is a personal obligation. An individual is offering a carbon has no choice, right? He, he had, now, hey, could be he asked, he asked someone else to be a shliach, to be his agent, but it's his personal obligation. So if he's reciting um, the, the bracha, if he's reciting the bracha, it would be indeed uh, possible, right? He could say, and, and yet we find that he says, so, so clearly, is a perfectly acceptable way of making a bracha on something that you're about to do, even though you think that it implies I've done it already. Says the Gemara, no, you're right, he should say, when one is slaughtering something that he is personally obligated to slaughter, in fact, he should say, um, Okay, that's the Gemara things. Mesfe, another question. When you're putting together your lulav, right, we make these brachas together, um, but uh, there is a, a version of things that describes it being done earlier. When you put together your lulav, you should make a shechiyan. Not le lotzeis, but you pick it up to do the mitzvah. Oyemer, you say asher kedushah mitzvah v'tzivanu al netilas lulav. Familiar bracha, right? Al netilas lulav again on the taking of the lulav, which you recite right before you actually take the lulav. Says the Gemara, Shani Hasam. It's different. Right? There's not really much of a delay because the instant you pick it up, right? You will really are already. That's funny because what do we do? We turn the, um, we turn the, um, uh, Hedgehog. the Esrog upside down. <laughs> we turn the Esrog upside down. Um, it, it's funny. The implication is that it's maybe a later minute. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not holding in those sugyas at all. But the uh, guy says, "Look, you picked it up. So when you, once you picked it up, you actually already did the mitzvah." Taisus explains that there's that, that, that it's true you've done it already, but you're going to continue doing the mitzvah because you're going to recite halo while holding it. But still, um, it is very interesting. It is very interesting. The Gemara seems to imply that, like, yeah, you know, it's not a, it's not a, you, you as soon as you pick it up, you're right, so sure. Okay. So says the Gemara, if that's the case, how can you say not like he took it in order to be with it? Future tense. It should just simply say, he picks it up, he's immediately right? Says the Gemara, you're right. Since the end of that, uh, Mishnah, that Brisa goes on to talk about Leishev Basukah, that, that you make a bracha Leishev to sit in the sukkah, Tanarei nami Lotzei Spoy, because in the case of the sukkah, you are about to be Yodzei the Mitzvah, you're about to discharge your obligation, so it's appropriate to use that language. Since we're using that language in the end, we're going to use it in the beginning as well. The Katani Seifa, 
right? We learn the end of the bride. So when one makes a sukkah for himself, you say you go into sit in it. you say you make a bracha of Okay. After all that, says the Gemara of the Hilchaza, despite all the all that skilled parrying of proofs. Albir Chametz. Ultimately, we still make Albir Chametz. Why do we make Albir Chametz? Because the Gemara considers it to be a perfectly viable reading. Um, and the Gemara does not agree to the objections of the opinion that hold that it's an incorrect reading. And therefore, we, of course, make Albir Chametz. And even a father who is making a bris for his son says, or the, the if he is giving a mila to his son, he says, Al Hamila. And someone who is shechting his own carbon says, Al Hashkita. And it's all perfectly acceptable. Now, says the Gemara, everyone agrees that you're supposed to make a bracha at the beginning. In other words, before you do the mitzvah. So says the Gemara, and what's the source for that? All the mitzvahs, the bracha we recite on them is before they are performed. You say that word, right? I do not think you know what it means, right? Maybe the word over, you keep using that word, I do not think you know what it means. So the, maybe the word over, right, is actually maybe it really is, um, uh, excuse me, how do we know it's how do you know it means before? Maybe over means after, over kind of means like passing. Maybe it means after. How do you know? Maybe you're teaching the, the halacha role. Says Gmar, I'll tell you. The the pasuk says, "Vayoratz achimatz derech hakikar vayaveres hakushi." Achimatz ran by the way of the the hakikar is like the open square. Vayaveres hakushi, or the plain rather, and he passed the kushi. There was a kushi, and he passed it. Abaya Omer Mehacha Abaya says it's a different source. Vehu over lefneim, right? He passed before them. That's a pasuk by um, by. Uh, um, and by uh, Esav, meaning Yaakov, next week's parasha. Yaakov meaning Esav, rather, next week's parasha. Vibay Seim Mihacha. I think that's where it is, Parakalam and Gilmah. Yeah, pretty sure. Where will they wish that hard to show upon them? Ad Gishte Adachir, pretty sure. I haven't started Shnaimikra next week's parasha, but I believe it's in my Yishlach. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure you're right. Okay, Hashem, of course, is in the front, right? He comes before all these other uh, forces. Okay, all these other kings. Others, not even the right word to use. Be'rav Amri, in the base measures of Rav, they said, for there are two, ex- ex- two uh, uh, exceptions to the rule that you make the bracha before, tevila, immersing in a mikvah, and blowing shayfer. I understand tevila, right? A person is tummy. He's a Valkyrie, let's say. So before he makes a bracha, he's not allowed to make a bracha. Right? We learn with bracha certainly once upon a time. The, the halacha was that you didn't make any brachas until you were tar. So you, you have to, how are you supposed to make a bracha? You have to immerse and then you'll make a bracha. However, says the Gemara, Shaifer, my time. Uh, what do you mean? What, what's with Shaifer? You might say, oh, you can't make a bracha 
on Schaefer before you blow it because you may come to do a bad job on the tekiya. You may fail the tekiya. So therefore, it'll be like a half sick, right? Because anything is possible um, with with shchita and uh, I hate to say it, but mila as well. You could mess those up too. You can mess those up too. So we should be concerned. Oh no, you shouldn't do that because you may come to uh, you may come to mess it up. Uh, you see, therefore, you have to make the bracha only after you do the mitzvah. Elon, Actually, uh, shofar is a little different because you, you know you can uh, shofar. You, you know, you, you try again, you get it right. <laughs> the others are a little harder. <laughs> the stakes are a little lower. I'll concede. I'll concede. The stakes are a little lower. Yeah, um, and but um, you know they, they let me blow shofar, but they don't let, they don't let me do prison. So yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, the gemara the gemara is not impressed by that distinction apparently. So says the Gemara, Elo Amr of Chista, Chutzpana Tvila Bovaz. No, no, the only exception is Tvila. Only Tvila do you make a brach beforehand. Um, but Shaifer, you make, uh, excuse me, only Tvila do you need to make a brach afterwards with Shaifer. In fact, you can make a brach before. Itmar Tanyan Amiachi was learned. Um, it was said we learned as well. Tavo of Allah. If someone goes to the mikvah and he comes out, on the way up, then he recites his bracha on the way out of the mikvah and not on the way. In okay, Leor Haner, the Mishnah said that you need to do bedikas chametz by candlelight. Of course, we all know you use a candle. Mino hanimili. What is the source? And today we have flashlights. Flashlights work a little better than candles and are less likely to light your home on fire. Mino hanimili. Where do we know this from? Amr Chista Lomadnu. Very interesting little trail. Mitzia mi Mitzia. The Gemara is going to explain all this. I'll just read it through, and the Gemara will explain each step. Mitzia mi mitzia, mitzia mi chipos, pechipos mi chipos, pechipos mineris, mineris miner. Okay, so finding from finding, finding from searching, searching from searching, searching from candles, candles from a candle. What are we talking about? Mitzia mi mitzia, finding from finding, right? Because it says the chsev hacha in reference to chametz. It says shivas yamim seorli matzivatechen. For seven days, let no sourdough be found in your house. Okay, that's chametz. And, right, so that's in reference to Chametzuk it says over there, where's over there, where uh, when the Parsha talks about, Torah talks about Binyamin, um, the, 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 or rather Yosef's um, cup, which was concealed in the, in the rucksack of Binyamin. So, Vayichapes Begadoil, Heichel, Vayichapes, rather, Begadoil, Heichel, Uvakatan Kila. He started, right, the, 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 Yosef's henchman, who was Ephraim, um, goes and he searches everyone's uh, bag. He starts with the oldest and goes down to the youngest, right? Vayimtza, um, and he found the uh, the becher. He found the silver cup. Umitzia mechipos day, right? And that saves, right? So that's the reference to mitzia to finding, which was done by chipos, by searching. Vechipos mineiros, and searching come is done with candles. The the pasuk in Sefania says Hashem says I will inspect Yerushalayim by by candlelight and find no sins, right? Which is a real um, a real great uh, thing. Are we are we cascading uh, Gezer Shabbos here? I mean, it, that doesn't seem likely that we should do that. It's funny. I mean, it is so. I don't know if it's strictly speaking a gezerah shav. In other words, I would say there is no doi raisa, there's no Torah obligation to search with a candle. It's more like Torah guidance. How does one search? Well, I suppose it's, it's more like, it's almost more in the field of Remez than in the field of Drusha. Um, 
With that said, I do know that there are some people who are very particular who insist on using an actual candle. So I, I wonder, uh, yeah, uh, cascading Zereshava definitely uh, would be pretty non-standard, like you said, for sure. Um, okay, and especially because we're invoking, we're using Psukim from nothing, which that, that's not usually a, a valid tool in, in the process of Zereshava. Vinay writes me there, right, finally, what when candles, right, are related to candle, dechsev, ner Hashem nishmas adam, right, the Pasuk says in Mishli, ner Hashem nishmas adam, the candle of Hashem is the soul of a person, with which he inspects, right, all the, uh, all the holes of the of your innards. Now you might ask, right? Uh, you might ask, why do you need to infer candles from candles? So that the Gemara is going to explain in the second run through of this whole thing, which we're about to read. Tana de Be'er Bishmal, we learned in the base manager of Bishmal. Lele Yudalit on Erev Yamtiv, Bait Kimesa Chametz, or an Erev Yudubidikas Chametz by candlelight. So we see it's not a true proof. It's not a true drasha. There's a reminder. There's a hint. Okay, so that's the same set of sukkim. Now ask the Gemara. Hold on a second. What was the need for that last bit? Candles are learned from a candle. What's up with that? You might think that that verse in Sifanya that says Hashem will search Yerushalayim with candles, right? Hashem is saying, I won't use a torch. Torches, the Gemara thinks, perhaps, are very bright. Torches are very bright. They cast a lot of light. I'll use a little candle. I won't look so hard, says Hashem, right? I'll overlook your sins. I won't look so hard. Right, only big averes will show up on the scan. The, the terror corrects by saying no. The candle, in fact, is a right. We will use a a um, the terror will use a um, a uh, uh, the Hashem will use a small candle, which is very precise, and nonetheless. Uh, excuse me, the, 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 the Hashem will use a small candle, and nonetheless, the search will be very precise. It seems like the Havamina was that maybe it's better to use a torch, and the, the Kamash Malan, what we're learning is that a torch, even though it's a larger fire, is not a more effective tool in finding things. And that's why we use a small candle and not a large one. Okay, that's that.